At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. From KUNC and the NPR Network, this is In the NoCo, a daily slice of Northern Colorado news and happenings. It's Tuesday, November 21st. I'm Erin O'Toole. Thanksgiving is all about giving thanks. It's right there in the name. But for a holiday centered on gratitude, it's also a recipe for tension. If you're among the 60% of Coloradans traveling for the holidays, you're likely navigating congested roads or chaotic airports. Yeah, we're looking at you, DIA. If you're hosting dinner, you've got a whole other set of concerns, like catering to an array of dietary needs and getting a hundred different dishes to come out of the oven at the same time. Okay, so you did it. You made it to grandma's or you cooked the turkey just right. Now the wine is flowing like water and it's time to relax. But not so fast. Even in the kindest of families with the best of intentions, dinner table discussions sometimes turn into heated debate. And we've all got plenty of opinions, whether it's on the war in the Middle East, reproductive rights, or the upcoming presidential election. But with some thought and intention, holiday dinner discussions can be, well, peaceful and maybe even hopeful. So sometimes when you have a pretty good conversation with someone, the main thing you realize is, wait, we don't disagree nearly as much. There's still going to be disagreement. I'm not saying we're all going to agree, or you know, but, but normally the disagreement is much more manageable than we think it is when we have a good conversation. So that becomes the goal of it. Martin Carcassen is a communications professor at Colorado State University. He's also the director of CSU's Center for Public Deliberation, where part of the curriculum is training people to foster civil and productive dialogue. Don't have your goal to to win or persuade. Don't even have your goal to come to consensus, right? Your goal is just to develop a little bit more understanding about each other. We reached out to Martine ahead of the holiday season for some guidance on how we can all have healthier conversation at the dinner table. So I want to start with this idea of creating an atmosphere at the table where people can have interesting conversations about politics or whatever they want without anyone feeling attacked. And I think to really get at the heart of why this is so challenging, you sort of have to start with human nature, right? Because you've written about certain innate characteristics that we all have that maybe once were useful for human survival, but they now become a little bit problematic at the modern dinner table. Could you talk about one or two of these? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think probably the you know, the most relevant is our, our brains, unfortunately, we're much more wired for, for simple stories, right? We, we love our heroes and our victims and our villains. And once we decide who's playing what character, we kind of see the world through that lens. That leads to, to often kind of simplistic political positions and assumptions about what side's good and what side's evil. Uh, you make assumptions about motives uh, of the other side, which kind of undermines our, our ability to kind of uh, talk to each other and have the, these kind of tough conversations and that certain you know, those things can certainly kind of blow up a Thanksgiving table, right? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, with my family, and I'm sure this is the case with a lot of other families, sometimes it's just tempting if you're the host to want to either, you know, have some pre-planned responses ready to go and then change the subject or just shut it all down preemptively. 
no election talk at the dinner table. But your work has shown that better listening can be a key to having a healthier conversation. Can you talk about some of the basics of good listening? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it, I think when you start understanding the social psychology and brain science, right, you, you, you understand that your brain is wired, that we naturally tend to focus on the upside of our position and the downside of opposing positions, right? Once you recognize that, I think it becomes easier to control, right? Uh, so when we talk about listening, particularly talking to someone who disagrees with you, to see that as a learning opportunity and that that sets up uh, a process to kind of have a conversation, right? That you, Having that conversation is and really asking them questions and being curious, learning that also can set you up later on if you if you really do want to change your mind, right? Because you you have to understand people from their perspective if you ever want to try to, you know, persuade them of anything. Yeah. And you can't just try to persuade your uncle or your cousin of something over the salad and then bring them around to your point of view over dessert. You really have to take your time and think about listening to connect with yeah. them. Yeah. As you know, the, we just had a conversation with the two governors that are part of this uh, argue better process of the national governors association on campus here a couple of days ago and, and governor Cox from Utah kind of specifically and got it right. Right. So that no one's ever been persuaded by being attacked. Uh, our brains just don't work that way. Right. Uh, and, and that taps into a different aspect of human, uh, human nature of reciprocity. Right. If you're giving someone the respect of listening to them and, and being curious, then they're going to give that back. And all of a sudden we're, we're kind of creating a positive feedback loop uh, rather than the, the negative feedback loops that we get when we're screaming past each other. Yeah. And we want to avoid that at the dinner table for sure. I wonder if you could touch on some of the quote unquote bad ways we listen to others. Because what I find sometimes in family conversations is, you know, there's always one person who they look like they're listening, they're nodding their heads, but <laughs> you know, they're just thinking of how they're going to clap back. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes is from a former New York governor when we talk about listening. Uh, and, and the quote is like the, you know, listening in the United States is a competitive exercise in which the first person to take a breath is deemed the listener. Right. You know, so often normally we're listening to win. Right. We're listening to find a flaw. We're listening to find an opening. Right. Uh, we're, we're listening for something that we can kind of uh, uh, undermine and kind of push back on. Uh, so when your brain's focused on that, you know, you're you're not listening to connect. You're not listening to learn, uh, which means you're not gathering those building blocks that are going to help you eventually if you really want to, you know, listen to persuade or convince or kind of change someone's mind. Well, I have to say, Martine, it can be really hard to sustain that open mind and that curiosity when you've got, you know, that certain uncle that just will not stop with the conspiracy theories. And so why not just avoid interesting but potentially thorny conversation and just stick with the pleasantries along with a pumpkin pie, you know? Yeah, I mean, I actually have a mixed reaction to that, right? Yeah, you don't you don't necessarily have to talk about politics uh, if you're seeing a relative that that you you know you see kind of once a year and those type of things. You know, particularly if you don't feel comfortable doing it well, uh, that that's just going to make things worse in a sense. But but obviously the 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 stronger impulse for me is this realization that we we have to learn how to have these conversations. You know, you know, people talk about no, you can't talk about politics or religion at the kitchen table or whatever. That's you know, people you know, like. Every issue we deal with inherently involves uh, all these underlining values. Uh, and, and the reality is, is most of us just avoid conflict. Uh, there's a few of us that love conflict and, and, <laughs> and they tend to be pretty loud voices and, and, and like mixing things up. 
Uh, and there's a pretty small percentage of us that really know how to deal with conflict well. And I think what we really need to do as a community, and certainly this is part of what the CBD tries to do, is to grow that last third as much as possible. How do we build our skill set so so we're not just avoiding conflict and we're not just you know allowing the ones that love conflict to define the conversation, but we have more and more. We need more facilitators. We need more peacemakers. We we need more bridge builders, and that's what's really going to help us you know build the capacity in our communities and and to deal with with you know the outrage and polarization that's just kind of uh, rampant right now particularly at the national level yeah right okay so I mean I, f- I feel good about this I feel inspired to try this um hey if it if it doesn't work I'll just fall back on the you know yeah pass the mashed potatoes everything's fine <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Martin carcass and thank you so much for talking with me about this today yeah thank you Martine shared a couple of resources, including a TED Talk on how to get along in a politically divided family. You'll find links in our show notes. That's it for us today here on In the NoCo. We'll be back tomorrow with a look at how an 18-minute song from the late 60s became an unlikely Thanksgiving classic. Be listening tomorrow for a brief history of Alice's Restaurant. Robin Vincent is our executive producer. I'm Erin O'Toole. We'll see you next time.